the forces of evil never rest. The minions of the enemy never rest. Left unopposed, they would curse the entire world. Father Michael Birdsong is here to oppose the enemy with the Ending the Curse podcast, starting right now. Hello, everybody. This is Vic Hermanson. Why do I sound like this? Why am I treating my voice like this? Well, because I want to make it clear that I'm not the focus of the show tonight. The focus of the show tonight is a young man that I have known for a while now who has gone through some extraordinarily difficult and painful times. He's come through them. He has been gracious and courageous enough to tell his story. So I'm going to actually present this young man twice. This first episode today is going to be very sparse. It's going to be very simple. I just want him to tell his story. His name is Josh, and he's given me permission to use his voice, his name, and I want it to be just him. There were three of us on a conference call, but for this, I just want it to be as if you're taking a long walk with Josh and he's telling you a story. I just want it to be that pure and that simple. The name of the show is Trailer Trash Terrors, and to be honest, we live in a world that doesn't seem to have as many terrors as people would like, especially in the paranormal realm. And at the risk of angering people, probably about 50% of everything you hear on paranormal podcasts is fabricated or exaggerated. Some of it is just misunderstood. But the things that Josh has gone through, those are genuine terrors. Terrors that cannot be denied. Some people will listen to this and say, oh, we're just talking about somebody going through some difficult psychological times. Yes, I agree with that. But I think Josh has also faced head-on the demonic. When that happens to a man, it changes them one way or another. Josh has come out stronger, kinder, both to himself and the rest of the world. So this episode will simply be Josh's words and the minimal guidance that is needed to make sure that you know exactly what he's talking about. Next week, I'll publish the full two-hour interview with myself, Josh's father, and our friend Dave Griffith. That'll be, I think, a fascinating show also. But for this show, I just wanted the pure words of Josh, without anything at all layered on top of those words. I think that's how they are most powerful. I will probably be back at the end to say a few last words, but for now, let's listen to Josh. My story begins in my early teens. I 
didn't know at the time, but I discovered that I had uh, sort of a gift of discernment that I could pick up on the emotions of other people. And, and as I said, I didn't know what it was at the time, and I didn't have anyone to explain it to me. And so I went through those years in uncontrollable anger, depression, which to this day I still struggle with that part, but around my mid to late teens, the depression got so bad that I needed an outlet and I began self-mutilation. And as the years continued to go by, uh, started hearing these whispers, voices, mostly during around 3, 30, 4 o'clock in the morning, telling me to kill myself, that I was unworthy, I was ugly, I just needed, uh, I should have been aborted, all these different things. And so the mutilations got worse. I got to the point where without fail every morning when I would get up and go to the bathroom, I wouldn't even look at the mirror because I was just disgusted at what I saw. Then uh, my back went out, and when it did, now I was both in pain and in even more depression. I couldn't do anything. I felt weak. And I tried to take my life by taking a bunch of painkillers. At this point, I was 17. Thankfully, I didn't succeed. After I did it, I regretted it. I actually had my mom sleep with me that night because I was scared. Fast forward to 19 and 20. I was... I felt alone, isolated. I began to stay in my room more. I felt like no one wanted me around them. And the voices kept getting worse and worse to the point where some nights they were just screaming at me to kill myself. And I found a new outlet. I was desiring a connection to something to get my mind off of it to fill that void I felt to myself. And I began dabbling in witchcraft. I followed a bunch of different people. and I had a group of folks in college I used to hang out with. They taught me a few things. And I even got to the point where <laughs> it, it, was, it was close. I, I almost took that final step and uh, made a pact but the the only thing that really woke me up was I had a nightmare or night terror whatever you want to call it I dreamt of my own of two things I dreamt of my own funeral and I saw the the hurt of what my suicide would have caused my family and friends and I had a another nightmare where I was being attacked by 12 different demons and that it was it was terrifying I, I felt every single bit of it 
I actually woke up woke up crying that night and I went and got dad if it wasn't for that I probably wouldn't be here right now and um, like I said I still struggle to this day with depression but not as bad still some lingering things every now and then during hard times I still get the urge to just go back but that's a that's a battle I fight every day I don't wear shorts or short sleeves in public anymore just because of the scars on my body it all came evident to me one time when we were in when my mom and dad lived in South Carolina my dad and I were getting the the boat ready uh, to go into the water the first time and of course Josh was helping but the the driveway compared to the ground level was about three inches and Josh stepped on it sideways and, and turned his ankle and uh, of course really really messed his ankle up and I was trying to pull up his pants leg and he didn't want me to. Finally, I said, son, whatever it is, it's okay. And then I saw it and I just looked at him. I said, this is a conversation for another time. Don't worry about it. We, we don't have to go there right now. I, I knew what was going on. I knew that he was facing some dark times. But the only thing that he needed to know from me personally at that time was daddy's not mad at him. I, I'm not mad at you, but I want you to talk with me. That is the reason why that he could come to me that night and say, I got a problem. The biggest thing for any parent at this time is this is not a time to be angry. This is a time to be caring and understanding, but yet listen to what is going on. Fast forward, I started getting more involved in the church, serving as um what we what we call an LLM, which is just a Eucharistic minister and then getting involved in seminary but um, one of the things that really helped me more is the medal of St. Benedict and the prayer that's on that medal the prayer is Crut Sacra Sit Mihi Lux Don Draco Sit Mihi Duke Vare Retro Satana Lucum Suare Mihivana Sumtamala Quelibas Ipse Venina Bibas which is, may the Holy Cross be my light, let the devil not be my guide, turn back Satan what you offer me is evil, drink the poison yourself. And that, that helped me tremendously. And I still go through those prayers every day. And now, now I'm a lot better than I was. I'm... I still have my bad days, but they're very rare than they used to be. 
I mean, of course it was demonic in nature, but mostly it was just, it was the desire to feel something. I felt a severe depression like that. You feel cold, numb, mm-hmm. void. Mm-hmm. It just, I, I needed something just to feel that. And the pain was, it was a different feeling, it was a different emotion that would just fill that hole. Concerning the origin of the voices in his sleep. Looking back on it now, I would say, yeah, it was probably something that was implanted. Back then, I thought it was, I mean, I did have my own choice. Is, is what I would have thought it would have been back then. But now, after I've be- been, become more experienced, I would say it was something that was implanted. Mm-hmm. Concerning the audible nature of these taunting voices. It, it, it was both. It was both audible and in my thoughts. Sometimes it would, it would start out, I would be dreaming and hear it, and then wake up and hear it in the room. It was an extremely terrifying experience. It was always negative. Concerning the impact of the ability to discern the emotions of others. Yeah, people would walk past me. I'd be able to tell, like, yeah, it, someone will walk past me. And depending on how they felt, it would affect me for the rest of the day. It's um e- even more now. <laughs> it's kind of funny now I'm thinking about it. It's, <laughs> I guess it's, I guess you can say it, it's um, the whole experience has sort of left a mark on me. Because now, depending on locations, when we do house blessings or we visit someone, I could tell immediately something's off. And, um, that's what increased my desire to want to get into the ministry of exorcist exorcism. That's one of the main, one of the main reasons why, um, besides my injuries, why I'm no longer in EMS. Concerning protective measures and healing measures. Prayer. That's why I do the liturgy of the hours. Helps keep my mind off of it. <clears throat> Prayer, martial arts, um, music, stringed instruments. I, I poured myself into the, into the guitar, and I've been playing the guitar now for about sixteen years. Yeah, cello, cello, for about two years. Yeah, trying to teach myself the piano. <laughs> Concerning moments of crisis and deeply negative influences every every emotion they feel joy sadness fear anger it is that most of the people i was around were mostly sad i'll never forget the time i put a hole in the wall just because i just felt so much rage building up that it just needed to come out and i put a hole in the wall <laughs> I actually, I actually tried to run away from the from home. Uh, I left the house, walked up the driveway, sort of walking to the street. Next thing I know, Dad pulls up next to me and tells me to get in the car. <laughs> the tr- The trigger for that was 
Oh, I'm trying to remember. Oh, I had left something out on the counter. And my mom was um, getting on to me. And just something simple as that just sent me off. And I turned around and just hit the wall. I was I was sitting in the library. And um, one of them walked up to me and said, Hey, I uh, noticed you look kind of down. What's, what's going on? And it just went from there. Because someone actually asked me. It was the illusion that someone actually cared. Think about how um, that group of folks I met in college. I mean, they they took me down because I was always looking for a more deeper connection to take my mind off things and the, the another outlet. And then they dragged me into their mm -hmm. little um, witchcraft crew to. Um, for the illusion of control they they welcomed me in and it was in, in a sense it was bra it was brainwashing they made me feel at home mm -hmm. and then yeah and yeah. the more and more they got into it the more they tried to to act like they were caring for me yeah in reality, looking back at it, it was it wasn't even them that was talking to me. It was the things that that they made deals with talking to me. the The main person in the group, the leader, quote unquote, I would say he was more in the lines of perfect position, if not almost there. The others were sort of halfway there. They it would have it was like a switch would go off one moment they're talking about one thing then I enter the room and then switch flips and they're all welcoming trying to introduce me to these other new books trying to drag me deeper into it because I didn't fully go into it it's everywhere I mean even folks I work with there's there's some in there I can tell that they're they're going through some things they're being deceived I'm just I don't beat them over the head with anything I'm just I'm there for them and if they want to talk then we'll talk as I said at the beginning I still battle with I still have battles with the severe depression I still have battles with anger sometimes but um whenever that creeps up I do two things. I reach out to my seminary mentors, which is Ken and Bob and uh, Father Michael Pacella. And after reaching out with them, I pray. Sometimes I pray with Father Michael. Concerning the proliferation of demonic thought. If I didn't have that in mind, and if I didn't have that dream, which, I mean, it, it could have been, I mean, it could have been God that gave me the dream, or it just could have been the demons messing with me that night. But if I didn't have that nightmare, I probably would have fully went through and initiated yeah. myself fully. Full, I mean, fully going into the coven. I was, I was nineteen. I was. In, I just started college. Now I can. I can go to. The, our, our local library right now and I can pick out 
11 different books on the subject. And especially now with the help of the internet nowadays with, through internet archives, uh, you can find free PDFs for those books. It's because the normal person that don't know better, they just see it as just a normal book for, you know, just to read. So they stock them up in public libraries. 45 minutes away from here and um, over in Griffin, there's five different medical, metaphysical shops that you can walk through and buy kits, starting kits. Beginners, witchcraft for beginners. If one types in witchcraft starter kit on Amazon, you'll get dozens and dozens of responses for kits ranging from 12 to $120. The largest one has the description of 190 pack huge witchcraft kit. New 2024 witchcraft supplies are designed to encourage your practice until you can cast profound and powerful spells. It includes a practical wooden box with essential Wiccan supplies, crystals, herbs, chakra stones, spell candles, cleaning and banishing tools, broom, bell, incense, energy enhancing stones, pyramid, fluorite wand, protective decors like necklaces and bracelets, plus it comes with some practical witchy gifts, hoping they'll be well received. Yeah, there's uh, things on Pinterest now too I can actually send y'all. They uh, show you how to make uh, portable altars out of uh, shoe boxes or Altoid tins. There's, there's free apps on Google Play, iTunes. Yeah, now you buy net net crafts for the craft. Concerning his path out of darkness. It's my sister, really. My sister, when she found out everything I was going through. She she was actually the first one that figured out I was uh, mutilating myself, and uh, of course, and through tears she expressed her concerns. And I always think back at that moment that I actually did have someone that actually cared for me, and it was my family, and I'm thankful for that. And so I just embrace the brighter things in life. Uh, she has the whole. Chronicles and Narnia series are one book. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, my my therapist when I told him about this, he thought it was more psychological than anything. His idea was to give me higher doses of antidepressants. No, it, 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 if anything, yeah, I was about to say if if anything, it made me more numb. So it made the problem worse, in a sense. I got probably about six good friends that I would trust with my life. Concerning the cost to self and moving forward. It'd be, it'd be both. The reason why I say that is because you, you got to think, I went through years, years with that attached to me. Yeah before I even knew what to do. And so I guess you can say, well, it's kind of like whether, when an exorcist does battle, Malachi Martin says you lose a piece of yourself. It's like that. I've dealt with that for so long that I've lost a piece. And the time that I would get that back is when I enter into the Father's graces. 
but that scar that's left helps me to be able to help others. I use it for a positive thing. I, di I did have one one attack that I had to have the whole church pray for me. And it was when we went to uh, Fairhope, Alabama. That house, I took something home with me that day. It affected my lungs. I got to the point where I, I mean, I was having trouble breathing and it got worse when I walked into the church. And one of our intercessors, they said that they actually saw something attached and wrapped around wrapped around me and was choking me. And so I had the whole church pray for me that day. It was mostly that, that second nightmare. When I, it, it was like I woke up and I was in a dark room and I was surrounded by 12 different things. 12 different demons and each one of them was attacking me but eventually my relationship with god grew more fast forward to today now i'm a deacon of the church still in seminary trying to be a priest the main reason why I, I told that story is just to help others that are going through what i went through because a lot of people out there will mislead them or shun them and that's not what they need. And there you have the profoundly painful, profoundly triumphant story of Josh, told in his own words. I hope I've done a good job of putting these clips together. These clips came out of a two and a half hour long several person interview and I can't present it perfectly but I believe just by listening to his words and especially the emotion in his voice you can get a very good idea of what he went through if you are facing issues like Josh has faced please write to either of the two podcasts with which I'm affiliated, Trailer Trash Terrors, which is trailertrashterrors at gmail.com, or the Paranormal Rundown, which is feedback at paranormalrundown.com. There are people who will be happy to talk to you, and if we can, point you toward help. I could artificially extend the duration of this podcast, but the story is told, and that's all it needed to do. This episode is just full of EVPs. The two and a half hour interview probably has 15 EVPs in it. Most of them are, they sound benign, they're pretty mundane, but there are indeed a few that sound at least somewhat sinister. Okay, all the music you heard tonight came from Lobo Loco, which is almost always the case. There were no media clips, and Trailer Trash Terrors is owned, written, and produced by me, Vicar Manson. I wish you a very good night. Thank you for listening. <laughs>